the challenge here for so many speakers is that we want to make this as broad and vague as possible. And so who do I speak to? I don't know. I speak to people. I speak to humans. My message is for everybody. It's like, well, let's narrow it down. Okay. I speak to females. Like, oh, that's still half the world's population. So like, it's really difficult to narrow it down because we think we need to be able to speak to as many people as possible. And the same thing is true whenever it comes to what do you speak about or what problem do you solve? So sometimes I'll ask speakers, you know, what do you speak about? And they say, well, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything. I can speak about entrepreneurship or podcasting or parenting or marriage or family or faith or on and on the list goes. And it's like, but really, can you like, can you speak on all these different things? So you want to make an impact. You're thinking about starting a business, sharing your voice. How do women do it that handle motherhood, family, and still chase after those dreams? We'll listen each week as we dive into the stories of women who know. This is Call Me CEO. Have you ever considered what it might be like to become a professional speaker? Is there something that you have to share that you feel so passionate about that you feel like you have a story or concept or education that you could share where you could change other people's lives? I feel like becoming a public speaker is something that many of us have considered doing, but we don't know exactly where or how to get there. So that is why Grant Baldwin is here with us today from the Speaker Lab, who's going to be talking to you how you too can become a professional speaker in any field you can imagine. So let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to Call Me CEO. This is Camille Walker, your host. And today I'm with Grant Baldwin, who is the CEO of the Speaker Lab. He helps you take your story and turn it into profit and turn it into something where you can storytell and share all over the world, because now people are doing it virtually and in person. And I cannot wait to dive into this. You know that I very rarely take on male guests. And so this is a special day. And I know that Grant's going to help us out a lot because here's the thing I have noticed. And Grant, I'm going to turn this over to you a little bit. And thank you so much for being here. I have not seen as many women speakers as I do see paid men speakers. And I don't know why that is. I, I'm guessing you have some insight on that. Um, but thank you for being here on the show. And I can't wait to dive into this topic with you. Yeah, thanks for letting me hang out with you. I really appreciate it. Uh, we were talking just a second ago before we started recording. Uh, I'm actually I'm married to my high school sweetheart. Uh, we mm -hmm. have three daughters, so I'm in a house full of women. Uh, it, it's it's just me and the dog. Uh, we're we're hanging out <laughs> to it. So hanging out with you uh, and a bunch of bunch of moms, uh, I feel right at home. So this is awesome, and I'm excited to hang out with you, talk to uh, speaking, all things speaking, and and uh, where we're going to cover today. Now, I love to hear the background of how you got started in what it is that you do and how you've made it such a massively successful career. I mean, you're a best-selling author. You have your podcast. You also have your community of all of these thousands of people that you've helped. So how did you get started in this business? Yeah. So if we go way back in time in high school, I was really involved in my local church and my youth pastor had a really big impact in my life. And mm. uh, that was kind of the trajectory I was on. I was like, I want to do that. Like, that seems like a really cool gig. You know, I, I kind of felt like if, if I could make the kind of impact uh, in others' lives that he made in my life, like that just seemed incredibly rewarding and fulfilling. And so um, I actually went to Bible college. Uh, I worked at a different church as a youth pastor for a little while. Uh, and I, there were parts of it I liked, parts of it I didn't like. But the thing I really enjoyed was I really enjoyed speaking. Speaking was one of those things I, I felt like I was decent 
decent at. And um, uh, I had a lot of at-bats and practice speaking at church on a weekly basis. And, and I wanted to do more of it, but I just didn't really know, like, how do you get started? And, and I had a lot of the questions that maybe you or your audience has asked as things like, you know, uh, how do you find gigs and what do you speak about and who hires speakers and how much do you charge? And like, how does this mysterious industry work? Like, how does this happen? And so at the time, this was about 17 years ago or so, there wasn't really any podcasts or books or resources on the topic. And so I found myself just like emailing, harassing, stalking other speakers and just like, mm -hmm. hey, Jim, let me, you know, the pick your brain type stuff. Yeah. And just trying to like learn some stuff and was able to, to learn a few things and book a few gigs and eventually some more gigs and more gigs and got to a point where I was doing about 60 or 70 paid speaking gigs a year. And it was awesome. I was having a blast traveling all over the US and had a lot of people who were asking me like, hey, I want to do that. I would love to be a speaker. How would I do that? And so uh, sort of doing some coaching training around that. And then uh, about six years ago. So we started the speaker lab, which is what we do today, which as you said, uh, we, we work with speakers teaching and basically the, the ins and outs of the speaking industry and specifically, how do you, how do you get booked and paid to speak, uh, with your message? And so, uh, yeah, that's what we do today is work with speakers of all different, uh, ages, stages of life. Uh, we worked with speakers in every U S state, 49 different countries around the world, wow. all different subjects, topics, industries. There's just a, a massive amounts of opportunities for speakers. And so I know for a lot of people who may be interested in you know, one of the things I like about speaking is it is the type of thing that you could you could certainly do full time. There are speakers that do 50, 75, 100 gigs a year, and that's fine. But there may be also some of your audience who's listening, who's like, you know, I'm a I'm a stay at home mom or I'm a busy mom. And I don't I don't want to be on the road, you know, 50, 75, 100 nights a year. I'd love to do five gigs or 10 gigs. I'd love mm -hmm. to do some stuff locally or maybe virtually. And I just don't know how to, again, how do I find those? And what do I speak about? And who do I, who hires me? And how does this world work? And so, yeah, there are amazing, amazing opportunities for speakers that exist right now. Well, kudos to you for bringing it online. I can't imagine how much that has affected the world at large and also for your business to be able to be at home and be spend more time with your family. So that's really cool that you're bringing this message and helping so many. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that when I, I want to speak in, and I, I still speak some, but not nearly as much as I used to, but when I, when I was speaking full time, like one of the things I would speak a lot about, uh, was this idea that who you are is more important than what you do, who you are is more important than what you do. Meaning if we are great, um, if we're great podcasters, if we're great speakers, if we're, if we're great entrepreneurs, if we're great fill in the blank at whatever it is that we do in an obvious, the generally in a professional sense, but if we drop the ball as husbands, as wives, as moms, as dads, as, as, as sons, as daughters, as human beings, if like we're this shell of a person, we're doing it wrong. And so I, I tell uh, our team internally all the time that, listen, I love being an entrepreneur. I love being a business owner. I love being a speaker. I love the things that I get to do. But my most important roles by far, hands down, is being a great husband and being a great dad to my girls. And so uh, my wife, uh, she had a choice, but she stuck with me at this point. My three daughters <laughs> did not have a choice. Uh, they're stuck with me. And so I want to be the best possible husband, the best possible dad that I can be. And so I don't think it's like an either or thing. I think mm -hmm. you can have your cake and eat it too. I think I can be successful in business and I can lead a good company and I can make an impact with our team members, our employees, the speakers that we work with. 
And I can also be a good husband and I can be a good father and I can have both, but you have to be massively intentional about that because typically it swings to one side or the other, but you can, you get to design like as, as entrepreneurs, like you get to design the rules of the game. And so you get to decide what it looks like for you. And so you may see someone else doing it and you're like, ah, that doesn't work. Like that doesn't resonate with me, but they're playing a different game. They're playing different rules than what may make sense for you. And that's okay. And you may see someone on the other end of the spectrum and they're not doing uh, you know uh, nearly as much and you think ah oh, they could be doing so much more it's like that's okay they're playing a different game and so you get to design the rules for what makes sense for you and your life and what it is that you want to do yes well i think we could end the podcast right there because i'm just uh, over here nodding like the power of and that you don't have to do this or the other but really right. designing what works for you which has always been my methodology for everything I've ever done here sharing online. So thank you for sharing that. I feel like we're very like-minded in that way. So let's dive into what it is. Just where do people start? Let's say that I have an idea of something I want to share, or even what if I don't know that I want to share, but I know that I would love to speak that I know that that's an even trickier question because that's so individually based, which again, not many people love to speak publicly. I feel like it's a rare breed. Um, I kind of think of that Seinfeld where he tells the story of, you know, when pulled, the average person would rather at a funeral be the one in the casket than the one giving the eulogy. Like it just goes to say that speaking can be terrifying for some and there are some that love it. So let's say that I love it or let's say that I want to learn to love it. And I'm at the point where I want to be profitable with speaking. What are your bits of advice for getting started? Yeah. And so um, when we do this, what we do inside the speaker lab with all of our students is we walk them through what we call the speaker success roadmap. Okay. This is a five-step process that makes the acronym speak S P E A K. And so why don't we just kind of go through this at like a high level overview, and then we can just jump in wherever you want. So the S we'll start with is select a problem to solve, select a problem to solve. And so there's two key questions that every speaker needs to think through. Number one is who do you speak to? And number two is what problem do you solve for that audience? Now, this isn't exclusive to just speakers. Like this is true for any type of business, mm-hmm. any type of entrepreneurial endeavor that you want to do. You got to be clear about who you, who, like who your audience is and what problem you solve. Now, the, the challenge here for so many speakers is that we want to make this as broad and vague as possible. And so who do I speak to? I don't know. I speak to people. I speak to humans. My message is for everybody. It's like, well, let's narrow it down. Okay. I speak to females. It's like, oh, that's still half the world's population. So like it's really difficult to narrow it down because we think we need to be able to speak to as many people as possible. And the same thing is true whenever it comes to what do you speak about or what problem do you solve? So sometimes I'll ask speakers, you know, what do you speak about? And they say, well, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything. I can speak about entrepreneurship or podcasting or parenting or marriage or family or faith or on and on the list goes. And it's like, but really, can you like, can you speak on all these different things? And so the analogy I always like to use that we tell speakers all the time is that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. The steakhouse and not the buffet. Meaning, if if we were if we we're going out to eat and we're we're all going out for dinner or something, and we're looking for a good steak, like we have a choice, we could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer, and they're all mediocre, or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really really well. So they don't do tacos, they don't do lasagna, they don't do seafood, they don't do sushi. Like they do steak, 
and that's it. And so if, but if they're like, well, but we have to appeal to vegetarians. No, you don't like you, ha- you can do one thing and be really, really good at that versus trying to be mediocre at a bunch of things for everybody. And so it's counterintuitive because again, we think that the more topics we can speak about, the more things we can cover, the more, uh, the bigger our audience is, the more opportunities we will have. And that's not true. The more narrow, the more focused, the more clear you are, the easier it is to actually find and book paid speaking gigs. So that's the first part. That's the really, really foundational part. Because if you get that right, then everything else we're going to talk about is so much simpler, but it's just difficult because again, we feel the need to spread the net as far and wide as possible. So the next part of the process, the P is to prepare your talk, prepare your talk. So this is where you get really, really clear on what is the solution that you're providing to the problem that you're going to be solving. And also how are you going to do that? So that could come in the form of a keynote or a workshop. It could come in the form of a breakout or seminar, some type of training, coaching, consulting. There's a lot of different things that you could do there. And also thinking through, do you do this um, in person? Do you do this virtually? Uh, Which I'm sure we can talk a little bit about. So preparing your talk, the E is to establish yourself as the expert, establish yourself as the expert. So two key marketing assets that every speaker needs, you need a website and you need a demo video. Now a website, like in this day and age in 2022, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. It's Mm -hmm. hard hard for people to take you seriously. So it's important to have a website. Uh, And then a demo video, some people may be like, okay, what exactly is it? What do you mean by that? Uh, So think of a demo video, kind of like a movie trailer. Before you would go see a movie, you want to see a movie trailer. You don't need to see the whole thing. It's like, I just need to see like two or three minutes. And so a a movie trailer is they they take a 90 minute movie, a two hour movie, they boil it down to two or three minutes. Within those two or three minutes, you have an idea of who's in it, what's the plot, what's the theme. And the goal of a movie trailer and the goal of a demo video is to make you want to see more. Because for an event planner, a decision maker who's considering hiring you, they're probably considering hiring you. And then they're also looking at three, four, five other speakers who may be a good fit for their event. And so they don't have time to watch 30, 60 minute videos of of a presentation or talk. They just need to see a couple minutes to kind of get a sense of who you are, what you talk about, whether or not you'd be a good fit for their particular event. And so that's what a demo video is. And it gives an event planner, a decision maker confidence that if if they hire you and you show up at their event, that you're going to do a good job for them. So that's the E, establish yourself as the expert. The A is acquire paid speaking gigs. Now, this is the part that we want to like fast forward to just like, Grant, just tell me how to book gigs. But if you're not clear on who you speak to, what's the Mm -hmm. problem you solve, you don't have your marketing assets together, it's just, it's going to be hard to book gigs. So you want to have these things in place before you get to acquiring paid speaking gigs. Now, at this point, and we want to we want to do much more of a of a proactive effort than a reactive effort. Meaning, some people make the the mistake that okay, I have my website, I have my demo video, and now I just sit back and I wait for the phone to ring. And like that doesn't work. Like your website may be great, your mom is thrilled about it, she's going to tell both <laughs> of her friends, but like nobody else yeah. cares. And so, uh, and even just like I think the mistake sometimes speakers make is you know I post something on social media and then I just assume like people are going to magically find me. And like that doesn't work. So what we want to do is we want to have a system and process us to reach out to event planners, to decision makers, follow up with them and start conversations with them, showing how you can provide a solution to a problem that they already have. So for an event planner, you're not trying to convince them to hire a speaker. They're already planning on hiring a speaker. You're just showing them why you are a good fit for their event. And then the last part of the process, K is no when to scale, no when to scale. Mm-hmm. Meaning a lot of people who are interested in speaking are also interested in writing a book or coaching or consulting or doing a podcast or doing a course or doing any number of things. And so you can do all the things, but you can't do all the things at once. So something's going to come first, something's going to come last. And you've got to be really, really clear about how does speaking fit into the mix of what it is 
it is that you're trying to accomplish. So again, I know that's a lot of like fire hose stuff there. I dumped on you, uh, but that's kind of like the high level overview of, of the speak framework that we, we teach in terms of like, here's how you get started as a speaker. Yeah, no, I think that that was very interesting and it was very high level, but also like, oh, there, there's a process to this and it doesn't happen totally. overnight. So I think that that's, that's really good to know for those who are, I was curious as I was before thinking about what I would ask you, is there a, where are people paying for speakers and is there a hole in the market of maybe like something that you see that's really wanted, but there's not a lot of just out of curiosity, what does yeah. that look like? Yeah, really good question. So uh, if we go back to kind of that first part of the process, the S, selecting a mm -hmm. problem to solve, there's seven primary industries that hire speakers. Now within this, there's a dozens and dozens of kind of like subgroups and some categories. And I'll, I'll give you an example in just a second. But those seven are um, corporations, associations, uh, faith-based and churches, nonprofits, government and military, um, colleges and universities, and then education, like K through 12. And so again, within that, there's a ton of different opportunities that exist within all of those. And so you would be amazed at the number of just of groups that have some form of gathering, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes we think of like speakers as like these large scale, big conferences or events or big keynote type of events, but there are thousands and thousands of events that happen on a daily basis that neither of us have even heard of. So let me give an example. There's a, a speaker we worked with recently who came to us. She went through one of our training programs. She was a veterinarian and she has passion and love for animals. And so we kind of like talked her through the process and here's what you need to do. And she went through our coaching. She reaches out and she's like, Hey, I just booked my first gig. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Tell me about the gig. And she said, um, uh, she was, she was uh, flying to Vegas to speak. Uh, they were paying her $5,000 to speak at a pet sitting conference a hmm. pet sitting conference. And so if she'd come to me a few weeks before and said, Hey, uh, I really want to focus on pet sitting. Do you think there's a big need there? I'd be like, I, I <laughs> wouldn't think so, but maybe, you know, but I know like since then she's, she spoke at that event and has spoken at multiple pet sitting conferences. Now there's other like animal veterinary related events that she's done, but there are just all that to say, like there are so many different opportunities that exist for speakers on all different industries and all different genres and all different subjects and topics. Now, what you have to be able to find though, is what's the balance between what you're interested in, what you're knowledgeable mm -hmm. on, what you're passionate about versus what is it that the organizations and groups actually hire speakers to talk about, right? Because just, you, just because you're passionate about something like, Hey, this is my life story, or this is something I want to share. It doesn't mean necessarily anybody cares. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have to find what, what is, that overlap there between here's what I'm interested in, but here's what organizations and groups actually pay for. Now to your, your the other part of your original question, as far as like, you know, what are the needs that maybe exist in the marketplace that maybe I should, maybe an underserved type of, of industry that maybe I should uh, focus on. And one mistake that speakers make sometimes is looking for those angles where maybe their speakers aren't uh, where speakers aren't already there. Okay. Meaning like, okay, um, I want to speak on, uh, I'm the world's greatest expert on underwater basket weaving. And I'm looking around and I can't find anybody else who speaks on underwater basket weaving. I'm going to be the first, this is going to be amazing. Well, if nobody's speaking on that, that's usually not a good thing. And mm -hmm. so what you want to find is like kind of some pre-established, pre-existing 
speakers who talk on certain subjects and topics and just kind of proves that there's a market, there's an industry, and that this is something that event planners or decision makers are used to hiring speakers to talk about and to cover. And so I also, um, like sometimes speakers will say, hey, which, you know, which of those industries or which of the topics can I get paid the most for? Um, and where are the most opportunities that exist? And I, I tend to lean toward like, let's, let's focus more on what you're interested in, what you're knowledgeable on, what you're passionate about, where are your connections, where's your experience. Let's start there versus trying to figure out like, hey, here's, you know, maybe there's opportunities over there, but it's something like you're not really interested in, you're not really passionate about, you don't have much knowledge on, you don't really know anything about, you're not, you just don't really care about. Like that doesn't work. That doesn't make sense. So I'll give you a quick example. When, when I got started speaking, um, as a former youth pastor, I was like, I know students well, I want to speak to students. And so that's a lot of what I did. I did a ton of like school assemblies, spoke at a lot of colleges, did a lot of like student leadership uh, conferences and events, spoke multiple times in Utah where you're at. Uh, and it was awesome. Now, um, in like the, the industry lineup there that I walked through, like education and speaking to students is typically on like the lower scale of like, um, compensation in which you could get, get paid. So there were times where I was like, man, I, I could, you know, I'm a decent speaker. I could probably make more if I talk to any other group. Right. But it's like, I, I wanted to speak to students and that's something I knew I was good at and I was knowledgeable on and I had good connections there and expertise and yada, yada, yada. And so even though I could have made more speaking in other places and I, you know, eventually started doing some more with corporations and different uh, other groups. But, uh, but if I, if I started the journey by just saying like, where are the most opportunities or where can I make the most money or where are the most underserved opportunities where maybe I could fill in, then I, I, don't, I don't think that's the, the best place to get started because I don't think, uh, I think it's harder to make uh, progress that in, in that way versus going like, here's what I know. Here's what I'm knowledgeable on. Now let's figure out like where this fits into the marketplace and the opportunities that already exist. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think with any type of business that you start, if that passion of the why and who am I and what do I love, if that's not established, then you're in trouble, right? Because totally. that's something where you won't, you won't be fulfilled. There won't be that, that deep seated idea of this is why I'm here. So I think yep. that that makes a lot of sense. So for someone who's starting out, let's say that they've decided what it is that they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. How do they find the decision makers? Is that something where it's interesting? Cause I've done this on the flip side of working with a lot of brands and sponsors and things that I've done through influencing online. And a lot of times we go to like the PR, you go to the PR or the media releases, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the back end or Twitter. So what do people do for the speaking side of things? How do you get into the right inbox, so to speak of the, whose email? Yeah, good question. And so speaking is very much a momentum business. And so sometimes, especially when you're, and I think this is true with a lot of things, like um, there's a, a friend of mine who always says, the more you speak, the more you speak. Mm. Meaning like when you speak, like it, it tends to like lead to other opportunities. And so mm-hmm. it leads to someone in the audience saw you, or it leads to this event planner referred you to someone else, or they bring you back for another event in the future. And so it starts to have like a, a compounding effect over mm-hmm. time. And so a speaker that is, you know, is doing quite a few gigs, it's easier for them to get booked than a speaker who's going from zero to one and just trying to get that first one. So I get that like, just getting the ball rolling can be, can feel very difficult. It feels like this uphill battle. Right. Um, but it can absolutely be done. In fact, there was a, um, I was talking with a student the other day and they had joined our program uh, about 10 months ago. And I said, uh, talk to me, like, how's things going for you? Uh, he's like, since joining, I've booked 40 gigs. 
which is crazy. Like that's, uh, he's like, is that normal? Like, no, like that's crazy, man. That's all. That's amazing. But like, again, point being like, he really like did the work, buckled Mm -hmm. down, got after it and, um, uh, and has seen results. And so to your question, as far as like, you know, who do you reach out to this? A lot of this comes back to like, again, being really, really clear on who do you speak to and what problem you solve again, where, when speakers are kind of like, well, like, you know, I kind of speak to this audience and I kind of speak to Mm -hmm. that audience and I, I can talk about this, but I can also talk about that. Then it starts to become this buffet spray and pray type of approach of I'm just going to reach out to a whole bunch of different people and see what sticks. Like, again, that just doesn't work versus if you're really, really clear on I speak to this audience and I solve this problem and I'm really clear on on this is a need that the, that exists within the marketplace. This is something that event planners in this space hire speakers to talk about. Then it's a lot easier to start to get the ball rolling. But again, the mistake that the speakers make sometimes is I'm just sitting back and I just, I, I hope people, I click my heels together, I close my eyes really tight and I hope people magically find out about me, right? So if we think about, for example, you mentioned like when you've done like some PR work before and some of these like brand sponsorships, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can go about it one of two ways. You can just like, you know, maybe put a, something on your website or maybe mention on something on social media and you just hope that the right brands find out about you or like we could go talk to those brands and we mm-hmm. could reach out to those brands and like start conversations of going, Hey, I have an audience that you're trying to reach and let's talk through different ways that we can work together. Right. Uh, it's the same reason of, um, the reason that we're having this conversation right now is because we reached out and asked, Hey, are you looking for guests for your podcast? Right. right. And so, I, I mean, I could like say back and just, I, boy, I really hope that Camille finds me and hope that all, <laughs> you know, the, of, yeah. of the sea of podcasts and podcast guests that somehow this all magically works out. Or we can just reach out like, Hey, you're looking for podcast guests. I know that you typically don't have dudes on this, but <laughs> here's some different ways that, and I know that you even ask like, Hey, we don't have guys on this. So what, you know, how do you speak to a female audience? And so we kind of talk through what that could look like. Right. So uh, the point being is like being a lot more proactive rather than reactive and just hoping people magically find out about you, which is, I know it can be intimidating. That can be daunting. It's a lot easier just assuming like, I wish someone would just reach out to me so I don't have to reach out to someone else. Right. I can totally get that. I understand that. But um, I think this also comes back to uh, one thing we, we talk with speakers about is, uh, is this a bit or is this a hobby? Because if it's a hobby, you're going to put hobby effort into it, but you cannot put hobby effort into it and expect business professional results. It just doesn't work like that. You know, it's kind of like um, when someone asks sometimes, well, uh, uh, like how long does it take to book a gig or to book 10 gigs or to go be able to do this full time? You know, I like to use the analogy of um, how long does it take to lose 10 pounds? Well, it it depends, you know, like for some people, I guess you could lose it and I don't know, a couple of days or a week. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I'm sure you could do it. Uh, you know, for some people, it may take uh, a month, several months, for some people, the whole year, and they didn't make any progress, right? But it really comes down to the effort, the energy, the focus, the work that you put into it. So like this this uh, the student and this client that I mentioned who booked 40 gigs in the past 10 months is because he was like, no, no, I'm like head down. I'm going all in on this. I'm This is what I'm doing versus like, I'm going to dabble in this, but I'm going to dabble in that. And I'm going to kind of like, yeah, we'll just kind of like see. And like, you're not booking 40 gigs by just kind of like dabbling and tinkering, uh, which again, if you just want to dabble and tinker, that's totally fine. But just make sure your expectations are aligned with if I'm going to dabble and tinker, then in terms of effort, I'm going to get dabble tinker results out of it. So mm-hmm. I know we covered a lot of ground there, so I'll, I'll shut up and <laughs> no, that was really good. I And I'm curious, what is that man speaking on that's that booked the 40? I'm just curious. 
Yeah, he's in the construction industry. Okay, um, cool. And so he works with um, with uh, construction companies on the the like the systems and processes that they use within their business. Okay, so a, a yeah. big this is something we work with speakers on as well. Is when an event planner or decision maker is hiring you, and this is true for any business, any product or service that you would offer. Part of what they are hiring you for is to stand on stage and deliver your message, right? Mm-hmm. To to deliver your talk. But part of what they're hiring you for is to be really good to work with, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for think of this in other contexts, meaning like if you if you go to a restaurant and the food is amazing, it's just the best food you've ever had, but the experience is just a disaster. You know, you got to wait a long time for your table. The service isn't that great. You know, they mess up your drink order a few times. Uh, the, 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 the wait staff is not like they're rude. You know, one thing came out cold, but when they brought it back, then it was really good. You know, things were not, it didn't feel like it was priced well. You know, like if all these other elements about it are off, then you're just like, man, the food is so good, but I don't know if I want to go back, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the same thing is true with a speaker. If a speaker is amazing on stage, but they're a pain in the butt to work with. And by pain in the butt, I don't mean that they're like they're a prima donna or they're a diva or anything like I need my jar of red Skittles or anything like that. But they're just like, they're unorganized. They're sloppy. It's like, it requires a lot of follow-up. They're not showing up on time to things. You know, they're, they're dropping the ball on little things. Like it's just, it's not a great experience. And so in this guy's case, he's in the construction space. So that one of the things they do is, um, uh, work with construction companies who may be like great at building a house, but like you also have to be great at just the, uh, all the elements of not building a house of following up with, with your customers or your clients and, and being professional and, and doing what you say you're going to do like those things. And so he helps them like just implement systems for their business. Mm. That's really cool. I think that that's a really neat perspective too, because I think often we think that we have to be the best speaker in the world, but there's other facets that go into it that make you a wonderful person to work with all around. So I think that that's really good. Let me piggyback on that. So, um, uh, again, you can think back to like the restaurant example of just like, but the food's so good, but it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but the experience sucks. And you're just like, <laughs> I don't, I just don't want to go back, you know? Yeah. Um, or it's a long wait or, you know, whatever it may be. And so the same thing is true with a speaker for an event planner, uh, a, a, who's bringing in a speaker, the, the speaker is one of hundreds, if not thousands of moving pieces that they're trying to work with and juggle. And so, uh, we always tell speakers like the easier you are to work with, the more likely they're going to want to be to work with you. And so they, you just make their job simpler. Right. And so if you're amazing on stage, but you're a pain in the butt to work with, like they just don't want to work with you. They were really good on stage, but it's just, it was just annoying to work with them versus just like, if you're amazing to work with, you can be mediocre and like above mediocre, uh, and like be super, super successful. Uh, and so like being really great to work with offstage is as much about being a speaker uh, as it is what you do. Yeah. Tell me if you think that there is a, an it factor for someone being considered an amazing speaker, you know, putting just on the stage, is there an it factor or some, a commonality that you see with speakers that do exceptionally well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think what's, I think one of the things that's great about speakers is there's not necessarily like, um, 
you know, here's the five qualities that mm -hmm. every amazing speaker has, you know, because you like on one end of the spectrum, you have someone like a Tony Robbins, who's like this larger than life personality who bounces all over stage, who's high energy, who's loud. Um, and there's some people who are like, I love it. I totally resonate with that. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you have like a Brene Brown, who's mm -hmm. very quiet, who's soft spoken, but it was very powerful and strong, but doesn't, you don't see her bouncing around the stage or, you know, jumping on trampolines or yelling or having everybody clap. You know, and both are effective, both work. And so I think what's really important is for speakers to be like really, really true to themselves and not saying like, okay, that speaker is like, you know, is this way, therefore I need to do that. Or that speaker is really funny, therefore I need to be really funny, you know, or that speaker tells, you know, has some tragic, you know, overcoming obstacle story. And so I need to come up with my own overcoming obstacle story, you know, like be true to yourself because it's, it's also important to remember as a speaker, you are a human talking to a collection of other humans. And so act like a human. Don't like try to be something that you're not like, uh, like one thing that annoys me to no end is when you see a speaker who is uh, like overly polished and overly prepared. And it, and it feels like they are very, very robotic. And so it yeah. feels like they're regurgitating a script. And so then I say this, and then I take five steps over here and I do this with my hands. And it's just like, oh, it just feels super, <laughs> super formulaic versus just like, you're a human talking mm -hmm. to a, the rest of us. We're all humans too. So act like a human. Now that's not to say like, yeah, just go up and wing it and be a human. Like, no, no. Like you want to be really polished and be prepared and really and, and deliver with excellence, but there, you don't want to be to the point where it's just like you're robotic. And so, um, so as far as like, what is the one it factor or the charisma that you, you need? I th think the most important thing is to be yourself because that that's ultimately what, what audiences will identify with and resonate with. Okay. I like that. Any, any advice for overcoming fear? Yeah. The moments uh, before you go on or, or the, even the idea of like putting yourself out there. Totally. Yeah. I think, um, uh, I think fear is a normal, natural thing. And so when I get up and speak, I still feel those same butterflies and that's not a bad thing. I think that sometimes it, it can be easy to confuse fear with, um, excitement, uh, and adrenaline of just like the, just like the moment that matters. And so you think about other times where you felt maybe something similar. I think about for me, like when I proposed to my wife or when my daughters were born, or if I had a, uh, I don't know, a big job interview, you know, something where you're just like, Oh dang, like I'm feeling those kind of same butterflies. And it's not that like, oh man, I'm going to propose and she's going to say no, or, you know, whatever's going to happen. It's just, you just kind of feel like, wow, it's the body's way of saying, Hey, Hey, heads up. This is important. Like, this is a big deal, like lock in, you know? Uh, and so the same thing is true with, with speaking. You know, I think it's just sometimes this, the adrenaline of like, wow, this is like, this is a big deal. And I want to make sure that I, I do well. So what do you do to make sure that you can, um, you can minimize that or not necessarily suppress that, but make sure that you, um, that it, it doesn't become like debilitating in any way. And so I think one of the best things that you can do uh, is not only like recognize and realize it's normal, it's common, it happens to everybody, it's okay, but also to just make sure that you spend the time to practice and prepare. The best speakers on the planet, they don't just get up and wing it. They don't just scribble some thoughts on a napkin and hop up there and like, oh, I just, you know, I'm gonna just, throw some stuff out there and I hope it all works out. Like it doesn't work like that. Like they really spend a ton of time going over their, their material time and time and time again. So that by the time they get up on stage, it looks like they may just be making it up. It looks like they're just kind of rambling, but they have really thought about it. They've really thought about their word choice. They've really practiced and gone through the material so that they're, they're confident, um, but they're not robotic. 
And so a way to think about this is if we think back to high school, college, university, and it's kind of like taking an exam or a test, like you could show up and just kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of wing it. And the, the professor or teacher is going to pass out a, a, the, the quiz or the test or exam or whatever. And you're probably going to feel nervous and uncomfortable. Like, I don't know this stuff. I didn't, I didn't prepare. And like, you're probably going to flunk that test. And if you show up to a speaking gig and like, hey, I'm just going to kind of wing it. And now I get up there and quickly realize I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, candidly, I hope you bomb. Like I hope because the audience deserves better than that. Like they mm -hmm. deserve you to bring your best versus like if you show up to a test or an exam, like, okay, I'm really going to study. I'm going to practice. I'm going to go over my, my notes. I'm going to review study questions. Like I'm going to do all of the things. So when you show up, I may still feel the butterflies, but at least I feel a level of confidence that I've done the work and I'm ready for this. And I may still be nervous, but that's okay. So I think one of the best things that any speaker at any level can do is really spend the time to practice because it makes you feel a lot more comfortable and confident whenever you step on stage. Yeah, that's really good advice. In our house, we have a, a coin term that we got from my sister that it's you are nurse-sided, like you're nervous and excited, or you're anxiety, mm -hmm. which is anxious and excited. And so when I talk mm -hmm. to my kids even about that, I'll say, are you feeling nurse-sided? You know, you're nervous, right. but you're excited like that first day of school or, you know, trying yep. out for a new team or whatever it is, because I think a lot of times the language that we use of how am I feeling about this moment can translate into how we will approach and show up in that moment. So if you're thinking in your mind, I'm nervous, I'm, I'm scared, I'm afraid versus I'm excited. This is this is challenging, but I'm here for it. You know, I think that yep. anxiety or nurse sided, we need a word like that. So we just, we use that one. So you're free That's to borrow good. that. <laughs> well, and even like, um, uh, I think you, you build confidence over time as well. Like yeah. the first time you do oh, anything, sure. you know, yes. you're going to feel nervous. You know, the first, the first podcast interview you do, uh, you know, you may just be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel super nervous or uncomfortable or awkward or whatever, but you do it enough times and like, okay, I may still feel some of that going into some of these, but I also know like, all right, I've done X number of these before and I didn't die and nothing happened and it's going to be okay. You know? So I think you also like the, the way you get better as a speaker, the way you get better as a podcast, the way you get better as a writer is you, you do it. And mm -hmm. sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't, but you, you build levels of confidence that like, okay, you, you've done this before. You've been here before you didn't die. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, one thing that's really cool is that you do have a podcast, The Speaker Lab. And if you go to your website, there's actually a quiz that will tell you how much you should be charging if you yeah. want to be a speaker or what it is that you can what you can do. So I thought that was really fascinating. I did that this morning. And tell our audience a little bit about that, where they can find that and also connect with you. Yeah. And so the uh, we have a speaking fee calculator. And so when people ask, like, how much should I charge as a speaker? Mm -hmm. Like, the cop-out answer is it depends because there's a lot of variables and factors that go into it. But um, we put together that speaking fee calculator. It's totally free. If you go to myspeakerfee.com, myspeakerfee.com, you answer like 10 or so questions or so, multiple choice questions. It'll spit out a number at you of what you should be charging as a speaker. And so it just, uh, you know, it's much more of an art than a science, but it gets you in the ballpark and gets you going. Um, and you mentioned the, the Speaker Lab podcast. So uh, people who listen to this podcast, probably listen to other ones. So if you're interested in speaking, definitely check out the Speaker Lab podcast. We've got over 400 episodes there on all different subjects, topics of speaking, um, speaking fees, what to speak about, uh, interviewing a lot of speakers and kind of hearing their journeys. Um, so yeah, everything else we do is over at the Speaker Lab. Uh, I, we've also, real quick, we've got a, a book called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform. And so that really takes that speak framework we talked about and goes into that a lot further. Uh, and so yeah, there's a lot of stuff we, we can do to help and serve and support speakers.
That's amazing. That's a lot of free content that people can consume. You also have a course too, coaching. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, if people go to the speakerlab.com, um, you can schedule a call with our team just to kind of learn more about that. And so, yeah, you can take the, you know, the book, the podcast, the speaking feed calculator, you can dig into that. But if you want more, you know, uh, coaching help, um, one of the things we do within our program is we, we talked about like a website and demo video, like we create those for you. We find speaking leads specifically for you. Uh, we give you email templates and scripts of what, here's what you need to be saying. Here's how to reach out. Here's the CRM to use. And so, uh, we, we, you can do it on your own. You can go DIY, which is totally fine. A lot of speakers do that. If you want us to hold your hand and kind of go on the journey with you, uh, then there's, there's options for that as well. Well, Grant, this has been amazing. You are a wealth of knowledge and I feel like it's been, it's been all the information. It's been a lot, but it's been very approachable where it's like, if this is something you want to do, follow these steps and come to your website and your podcast. That is amazing. So thank you so much for sharing all of your information with us and for being here today. Hey, thanks so much for letting me be here. This was a ton of fun. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I wanted to tell you really quick that I spoke with Grant about women as professional speakers. And he said, yes, more than ever, we need more women speakers. And I was saying, you know, as a mom, it's hard. Like, how do you get out? How do you set hours that work for you. And he said, the best thing about becoming a professional speaker is that you get to set the rules for yourself. It's really like starting your own professional business in that regard. You get to decide if you wanted to do weekends or only travel within a certain you know, distance from your home or how many weekends out of the year you'd be willing to travel. So don't limit yourself into thinking that this is not an option for you, but maybe decide how you want to design your life to work for you in that way. Now, if you are looking for more help as far as virtual assistants are concerned, I am now doing matchmaking with graduates from my 60 Days to VA program who are looking to help busy entrepreneurs like you. If that is something that you need help with, you can email me at callmeceo at gmail.com or reach out to me on Instagram at callmeceopodcast or camillewalker.co. I hope you all have a great day and I will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Hey CEOs, thank you so much for spending your time with me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, please let me know in a comment and a five-star review. You could have the chance of being a featured review on an upcoming episode. Continue the conversation on Instagram at Call Me CEO Podcast. And remember, you are the boss.